Hey, welcome in to the weekend recap presented by True Sun Exteriors and Interiors here on PowerMizzou.com on uh, the 2021 version of Black Monday in college football with uh, with every player in America essentially being a free agent. We're going to talk some about that in a little bit. We'll bring Mitchell Forty in here in just a minute, but um. Rebuilding projects and reclamation projects going to be uh, center stage here in college football over the next few weeks, even uh, at Missouri, yes, but not just at Missouri. Plenty of places uh, like, say, Norman, Oklahoma, maybe uh, L.A., places like that. We'll talk about everything in college football. Oh, by the way, Missouri played a football game last weekend. The regular season is over. We're going to talk about all that. But if all you're looking to rebuild is your home or remodel, um, hey, you might uh, you might actually be in – better position than if you were a college football coach today, other than the fact that they probably have more money to do it than you do. But that's why you need to call the people at True Sun Exteriors and the Interiors. They are going to give you definitely competitive rates and uh, do the best by your pocketbook that they can if you need anything done around your house, whether it is a total remodel or maybe just a, a minor project you've got. They're the guys you call. You get a hold of them at 442-7292 in Columbia, Missouri. Let me double check that I didn't reverse that number. I didn't. I got it right. 573-442-7292. TrueSunExterior.com on the internet. They are going to take care of anything you need. They will do it as quickly as they can. And um, don't waste time. Get in touch with them. Get on the books uh, because I know that those guys are busy all year round, and so you want to get things started as quickly as possible. Just the way, Mitch, that uh, college football players want to get things done as quickly as possible. I mean, I've seen a lot of people say, I don't get it. Why transfer now, you know, two weeks before a bowl game or whatever? And the answer is real simple. If you know you're transferring, you want to get in that transfer portal as soon as you can and start getting – uh, start having other coaches be able to contact you and find out the place you're going to go. Yep, absolutely. I mean, the transfer portal is going to be a very crowded place this offseason. Um, you know, the, the root cause is, is mainly the NCAA giving everyone a free year last year and then trying to go back to the 85 scholarship limit this year. So a lot of places like Missouri, in order to sign a, a full signing class, have to move some people out who technically have eligibility remaining. Um, whether that's guys who would have been seniors or not. So, yeah, I think it's smart <clears throat> if you know you're going to transfer to uh, to go ahead and get out there and try to claim a spot because they will be limited. And I was talking with, uh, with somebody this morning, and I just said, I, I don't think it's possible for the NCAA to have wrecked to this any more than it has. Um, so I, I think the important thing, and, and we'll get into the Missouri-specific stuff, but a, a bunch of new rules passed by the NCAA. The, the one that I think is causing fans the most confusion right now is the ability to replace up to seven transfers in your recruiting class, which means that theoretically you can sign 32 players. Now, there's a couple caveats here. You still can't have more than 85 guys on scholarship at one time. So to be able to sign 32, you can only have 53 that are coming back. Um, Missouri right now is scheduled to have, I think, 70 that are coming back. Now, some of those guys won't come back, but in order to fill a class, Missouri would still need to have 17 more players transfer out, which seems unlikely. But here's the other thing I think fans don't understand about that. That rule about replacing up to seven transfers, those are only kids that transfer after December 15th. In other words, after the early signing period has begun, after the semester is over. So kids that are transferring today 
Missouri theoretically can't really even replace that scholarship. That's just, hey, it's gone, and you. And now again, they don't have room to, so it's no big deal. But I know for a fact, because I've talked to some people at other schools, there are kids that are being asked, hey, we know you're going to transfer, but could you maybe wait to announce it until December 15th because that way we actually can replace you, whereas if you transfer on December 10th or today, November 29th, you can't theoretically be replaced. I mean, the end result is we don't know what year of eligibility anybody is. We don't know who's coming back. We don't know who's not coming back. And we don't know how many spots anybody in America has. Yeah, pretty much. And, you know, <clears throat> I mean, it, it's it's going to create a tough situation for a lot of these kids, too, because, like I said before, every team in America has uh, most have a similar problem to Missouri, where if they want to sign a full signing class, they have to have some kids who have eligibility left either just stop playing football or transfer. And so there's going to be way more kids wanting to play than there are going to be spots available. I mean, basically, you know, you're, you're roughly probably now about four and a half classes worth of players for four classes worth of spots now that we're back to the 85 scholarship limit, assuming, you know, about half the people who had the extra year of eligibility who could be some super seniors next year want to play college football somewhere. So, yeah, it, it's going to be a mess. And, yeah, there, there's, you know, there's a lot of issues. But I think one of the biggest ones is that there's just not going to be a lot of spots for kids. And they're going to be, like you said, told to wait to to transfer and you know i've seen some some fans you know some blowback from fans today about all the the transfers like this is going to happen everywhere maybe not to the exact degree it's happening at missouri some places more some places less but it, it, this is this is just kind of the reality of the situation right now and no kid should should suffer any blowback for transferring because you know what's happening on the other side lincoln riley is bolting for usc like two weeks before and I, whatever Lincoln Riley can do whatever's good for him but he's doing what's good for him so why shouldn't Spencer Rattler or Caleb Williams or any other kid on that roster do what is good for them uh, there should be no blowback on kids this is not their fault that this situation has been created it has um, so we're not even talking about kids that transferred out of Missouri during the season and there were a few of them but just today it has been Daniel Parker Jr. Chris Sheeran, Ishmael Burdeen, and there's a fourth one that I can't even remember. Messiah Swenson. <laughs> Messiah Swenson, right. So four guys have left. Now, before we get into each of those kids' situations, what that does, by my numbers, and again, I'm not going to promise they're right, but by not my numbers, that puts Missouri at 85 scholarship players as of today. So that means every kid that they get a commitment from between now and next August 1st, means somebody has to leave and there are going to be people leaving like that 85 number still includes Tyler Beatty he's not right. coming back we know that but we don't officially know it so he's still on the 85 for right now but um that's the situation with those kids uh so let's just I mean without going too deep into it I don't know none of these come as a huge surprise the biggest quote-unquote surprise I guess would be Daniel Parker Jr. but Mitch, he's literally tweeting cryptic things from the locker room at Georgia. Anybody right. that's surprised about this has paid no attention. Right. Yeah. It's it's kind of a you know it, it's a tricky thing to to kind of you know um, evaluate because one yeah he did he played quite a bit over the course of four years and yeah you know he was I, I don't I don't want anyone to to bash him like I've seen some of that like you know like the kid gave you four years which is what you expect from a college football player he went through his senior day he's going to graduate I assume. Um, he should be, or at least close to that. 
And he actually, like, he, he played through a lot. You know, he had the eye deal, almost lost his eye, almost saw his career end, had concussion issues last year. At the same time, I, I think it was clear that maybe the, you know, the fit wasn't perfect between him and the new staff. There may have been a little friction. He, he may not have been the easiest person in the world to deal with. And, you know, like, at the end of the day, you know, cryptic tweets or not, like, I, I think it just might be one of those things where it's like, you know, the, the staff just kind of plan, you, you have to plan at a certain point on a certain number of guys who were seniors to go ahead and move on. And so if he had interest in doing that, I don't think they were going to necessarily beg him to stay. I mean, it's kind of like we talked about last year with Mark Smith in basketball. Everyone was like, so surprised he's transferred. Like, well, the staff knew he was leaving or planned on, planned on him leaving and was bringing in people to fill his spot. Now, again, this isn't maybe a perfect analogy because that's not going super great right now. But like if he wanted, I think he, even if he wanted to come back in Mark Smith's case, I don't know that he was necessarily like that was an option. And that might've been for Daniel Parker. I don't, I don't know that, but I think it's just one of those things where it's like no one, no one in the, the football building is either. I don't think caught off guard or like distraught about this news. And, and I think you've got to understand two things when it comes to transfers. So I think there are two mistakes that that fans make in this. Number one is they think too often that the players and coaches have the same like devotion to their school and their team that fans do, and they just don't. It is a place to play football. It is a place to get a paycheck. Now, that does not mean that kids don't develop an affinity for the school and their teammates. And that doesn't mean there aren't kids like who grow up saying, man, if I just get a Missouri offer or a Nebraska offer or a Penn State offer or whatever, that's where I'm going because that's where I've always wanted to go. There are kids like that. For most of them, this was the place that they thought, hey, this is my best chance to play football, which is what I want to do. And if they run into a situation where they find a better place to play football, they're going to do that. It's not this lifelong devotion to Missouri or Kansas State or Texas or, or something like that. The second mistake is way too often with kids, we just look at, well, it's about playing time. Well, Daniel Parker Jr. started almost every game. It's quite obviously not all about playing time. And guess what? There's a lot of things that happen outside of the three hours or four hours for 12 Saturdays a year that none of us are privy to and really have any idea about. Right. Yeah. And I'd say another misconception is just every time it's like, oh, this kid thinks the grass is green or somewhere else. Like some of these kids who are, who are leaving every team right now, but so included, like the coaching staff needed them to leave. Like it just is a fact of the situation. And that's why this immediate eligibility, one time immediate eligibility thing is a good thing because it's not it's not always up to the kids. Right. And, and that's why I think some of this now. This is why I think the one-time transfer rule needed to pass and the name, image, right. and likeness and some of this money because now I don't really feel bad if a coach tells a kid, yo, you're never going to play here, man. Like, we need the scholarship. You should probably go somewhere else. That's more okay now than it used to be. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you're all right. Yeah, go ahead and fill some time. I've got a hacking cough for the last three <laughs> days. I'm pretty sure I don't have COVID, but. Okay. Well, yeah. Um, I don't know. I mean, now, you know, the, the thing we look at now is the tight end situation, obviously, is a little more barren. Um, Nico Hay will play a lot in the bowl game, I'm sure. I would guess Ryan Hurstcamp will play quite a bit. He played, uh, I think it was like 19 snaps or something against Arkansas. He can still play in one more game and preserve his red shirt, so that's a good thing. Uh, I'm, I'll be curious to see if they bring in a transfer over the offseason at tight end. I, I don't think you necessarily have to, especially if you think Hurstcamp can come in and feel kind of like the Daniel Parker role next season, you know, play alongside Nico Hay. But I also think that if they find someone they like or maybe they you know don't feel Hurstcamp is quite ready to do that, 
that as a redshirt freshman, it wouldn't stun me. Um, corner, like, you know, Birdie and Sheeran, I don't I don't think that's a, a huge shock to anyone. I mean, Birdie did start a few games before he got hurt. Um, Sheeran really never played all that much. You know, you, you do, you are going to have a situation where you're probably only going to have one upperclassman next year in, in NS Rakestraw. But I also think that, you know, they've got, I, I think they have enough bodies at corner and you would hope that, you know, that they brought in a bunch of guys in that class, in the 2021 class, you know, that were fairly highly rated. You would think one or two of them should be, should be able to step up and uh, play regular time. Yeah, I mean, DJ Jackson played a lot the last two weeks. Snoop Reeves got hurt in spring football. He's going to be eligible next year. Dalen Carnell is going to be eligible. Davion Sistrunk, redshirted this year. He's going to play like there are guys there. And at I, I mean, Look, you're not trying to speak ill of any of these four kids that, that have left so far, but the vast majority of kids who are transfer out are going to be a very similar profile where you go, yeah, they might have played some next year, but like they're not the difference between six and six and seven and five or seven and five and eight and four or whatever. I mean, you don't start being concerned about transfers until you get to a point where you go, oh, hang on, that's like a guy he just signed last year, or that's a guy who actually played a lot and was going to play a lot more next year then you might start to go, hang on, what's happening here? But as long as we're just talking about guys that, you know, 10 snaps a game or whatever, and, and you didn't really see them as necessarily difference makers in the next year or two, it, it's just the cost of doing business. Yep, yep, I would agree. Uh, I think we've covered most of the transfer news. Uh, who knows? Honestly, there could have been more, like, Twice today, I've updated the scholarship chart and said, okay, I'm going to go do something, and then another kid transfers. So another kid might transfer while we're doing this show. We'll get to it. Um, Bradley Heath says, how many total transfers out should we expect? And, again, I think the number is probably somewhere between 10 and 15 total. Does that, does that make sense to you? Yeah, so, I mean, some 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 people, it may not be a transfer. Like, uh, it might just be someone like like Tyler Beatty is going to declare for the NFL draft. Caleb Evans is going to declare for the NFL draft. Um, you know, someone like, I don't know, like, I, I'm not trying to say this is the case, but like Mike, or uh, Michael isn't done with eligibility. Bear Bannister or something, he could just be like, yeah, I'm done with football. I'm going to go be a GA and try to be a coach or something. Like, so, yeah, I think it's something like, you know, like 15 to 17-ish total, including the guy four guys from today who – have eligibility left who stop playing, but I don't think they'll all be transfers. Yeah, and and those the kids who are talking about the COVID year are a little bit different um, than underclassmen because if you're talking about the COVID year, that also has to come from the staff. And just to use Barrett Bannister as your um, example, not only to come back, not only does he have to say, I want to come back, but the staff has to say, we're extending you the scholarship for next year and you can come back. Um, right. They very easily, and I'm not saying they would do this with Bannister, but could say, hey, we appreciate everything you've done here for five years, but we need the scholarship, so that spot isn't there. They technically can't really do that with an underclassman. Like, say, uh, just to pick a name, say B.J. Harris were to say, you know, hey, I want to come back next year, which by all indications, he's going to come back. I The staff is is not they don't have that same flexibility to say, no, you can't come back. Now, there are ways that does happen sometimes with kids, but theoretically that's the difference between a kid who's looking at a sixth year and a kid who's just looking to come back um, in, in normal times. Um, Okay. So Josh wants to know how important is the transfer recruiting cycle to drink wits? And there's two ways to look at this. I very much, like, yes, they need some transfers, right? I think they need a transfer linebacker. 
to be honest. Um, there are other places where running back, tight end, depending on what happens, maybe quarterback, you could see them needing one. But for the most part, if if you are going out and getting kids from the transfer portal and thinking that's the main difference in us being good and not good next year, then I think you're in trouble. I mean, the biggest part of the improvement from next year has to come from like this 2021 class and, and all that. Yep, that's exactly what I was going to say. Like, yeah, it's important to try to get a difference maker or two. And that could be the difference in, you know, maybe six wins and seven wins or seven wins and eight wins. If, you, if you're able to go out and get like one or two guys who are able to be like really productive, you know, I'm not even saying it has to be like Wandale Robinson, although that's, you know, the example that leaps to mind. But like someone who can come in and start and play an important role for you that at a couple spots, plug a couple holes, that would be big. But I don't think it's. You know, yeah, I don't think it's nearly as important as developing those guys he has recruited and showing that his high school recruiting, which has gotten all that publicity and all that buzz, is as good as it, you know, as the stars say it is. I think that we're we're starting to reach the point where the holes need to be filled internally, um, you know, by by guys he recruited and developed. Yeah, no question. Um, and it, there still usually has to be some sort of a connection there, right? Like it. If Spencer Rattler were to enter the portal, which I think he's going he to, he yeah, did. Okay, way. like, is it possible Missouri could get him? Sure, I, I guess it's possible, but there's really nothing to indicate that. Like a lot of these kids have a pretty decent idea because they've got a connection with somebody at another school or on another staff, and so I, I just don't think it's quite as simple as let's pick every kid who enters the portal and call him. Like you only have so many hours in the day. The coaches are. Also, by the way, out doing in-home visits and stuff this week. So it's not quite that simple. Uh, Mr. Wonderful, I'm glad to see him watching the show, uh, wants to know what is the end date for a player who wants to transfer? Is it August 1st, 2022? It's basically the start of fall camp next year. Uh, I mean, to, to so you're going to see a wave from now till December 15th. You are going to see another wave after bowl games. Like, I imagine there are some kids who are going to transfer from Missouri, but they're going, hey, man, I'll take a free trip to Memphis or Houston or Tampa or whatever, get my bowl gifts, hang out with my buddies. It's worth two weeks of practice for me, so I'm going to do that, but then I'm going to transfer before I come back in January. And then there's another wave of kids who think, I'm going to win a starting job, and I'm going to do that in spring football. And they're going to come back in spring football and they're going to find out they didn't win a starting job. And then they're going to transfer in like April. So it really is three waves. And yeah, the, the truth is there's not a college coach in the country who's going to know what his roster looks like until probably about mid-July next year. Yeah, so uh, players can transfer anytime. Uh, I do. Th there is a deadline to when players can transfer and have immediate eligibility. And I want to say it's May 1st. I'm actually not 100% sure. I think it was August 1st last year because the rule got implemented a little late. So I think we should have a decent amount of clarity, you know, by like mid-May, late May, as, as those guys who have transferred, like you said, after spring football, all kind of find homes. Um, and then players can still transfer after that. They just have to know they're sitting out a year. I didn't anticipate spending, you know, the first 20 minutes all on the transfer stuff, but it is kind of the news of the day. Oh, by the way, Missouri played a football game last Friday. It was fine. Um, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I don't, if, I don't think many people watching think it was that fine. <laughs> I think Arkansas people thought it was fine. Um, but I, fine is the way the regular season's none. And fine is the word I used to describe the season. Like wasn't great. It wasn't awful. There were times that you thought it was going to be better. And there were times you certainly thought it was going to be worse. 
in the end, it was just fine. I don't really view it as a step forward or a step back. It, they just kind of stood in place. Yeah, you know, 500, 6-6 six six kind of speaks for itself, right? I mean, you know, coach was 500 last year, team was 500 last year, 500 this year. It's Yeah, like you said, it's definitely not a disaster that hurts momentum or anything like that or puts Eli Drinkwitz on the hot seat, which, like, you know, it, it looked like it could trend towards that way, at least at points this season. Um, but it's also not some big step forward, and, and I don't think that's necessarily calls for alarm or anything. Like, as Drinkwitz has said many times, progress isn't linear. I think the big thing now is just, like, you have this huge, unanswered question that is the quarterback position that's going to loom over this team all offseason and I'm very fascinated to see how that gets answered and I don't know what the, the right answer is but I just know that Eli Drinkwitz needs to get it right yeah and I also think this is now like every single discussion you have about Missouri football is framed by well none of it matters because the quarterback situation is a train wreck or whatever like it there's 22 dudes on that field. Like, it, it's not just about that one player. That is the most important position, and, and I understand. But I just – I truly don't know what to expect. And I said this on, on the postgame show on Saturday. I said, look, I understand why somebody would think Eli Drinkwitz is nuts thinking Connor Bazelak's the best option he had on his roster. I understand why you'd think that having watched these games. But right now, the best alternative is actually that the fans are right and that Eli's been totally wrong. Because if he's right that this is their best option right now, that's terrifying going into spring football. Yeah, no, I mean, there's really, like, you know, the the, the past few games, like, it, they can be alarming for several reasons. And I think, you know, most people have said, like, you know, Eli Drinkwitz is just too stubborn or whatever. Like, I don't know if that's true. But, yeah, that, that would probably be the best case scenario. Because the other scenarios are that, like you said, there's no backup who is, you know, I mean, who is good enough to play or, or to be better than this version of Connor Bass, like we've seen the past few weeks, which is very scary because, A, you know, Drinkwitz is the quarterback's coach. He should have known that going into the season and probably addressed it. And B, how are you going to then try to address it before this coming season? You know, you're you're in a little bit of a delicate spot because, like, you could take a transfer, but you got to understand that that's, you know, I mean, that's going to cause other people to leave the room. And, you know, they're certainly at least they want to they, they hope they, they need to hope they at least bring back one of the guys in the room right now because you can't just have like a transfer in Sam Horn again can't try to get through the season with one guy or also you know the the other thing is like you know do you just do you risk it do you say Connor Bazelak can you know can be better can be the guy we saw him be early in his career and his regression was just due to like you know the the injuries and and the lack of confidence or like maybe it's just that defenses have kind of figured him out and he's physically just not kind of able to make him make him pay and make him you know play different coverages than they've been playing and that has kind of sapped his confidence like we've seen it plenty of times like guys get off to fast starts in college and just never get back to that point I mean who was that you know that quarterback at South Carolina a couple years ago that five-star kid Helensky everyone was talking about I mean like you know he was going to be the next big thing in the SEC he got replaced the, the next year and then transferred to some group of five teams so like that you know it, it is risky either way to bring in a transfer or to rely on Basilac. and you know like I said I I truly don't know what the right answer is I, I know that I think a lot of People, you know, watching will say that the answer is anyone but Basilak, but like that's not a guarantee to work either. So two things there. First of all, if they bring in a transfer, to me, it absolutely 100% has to be a grad transfer. It is a guy who's yeah. here for one year and that's it. Because I think you could sell Tyler Macon and Sam Horn on, hey, you need a year. 
Like, you're not ready to go out and start. Stick with us. But if you bring in a guy who's got multiple years of eligibility, if I'm one of those guys, I'm going, hold on. This is not what I signed up for. What are you doing here? So it is if they go the transfer route, and I don't know that they will, but if they do, it 100% has to be a grad transfer. But here's what I'm more interested in, and I know you don't know. I don't know. I'm not sure Eli Drinkwitz knows, and I'm not sure Connor Bazelak knows. But can he be fixed? Like, I see a kid who's – I, I fully believe there are injuries going on we don't know about um, and may never know about, and that's fine. That's their prerogative. I think you're doing a kid a little bit of a disservice by saying he's healthy when he's clearly not. But more than the physical stuff, I just see a kid who is in a really bad place confidence-wise and belief-wise, and sometimes that gets fixed and sometimes it doesn't. Um, I, I don't know. Maybe maybe that can all get fixed, but it almost hit a point Saturday, Mitch, where I thought it was kind of unfair to the kid to keep sending him out there. Yeah, it was bad. Um, and yeah, like like you said, I I don't I don't know if anyone knows where the, whether he can be fixed, and that's the question that Eli Drinkwitz has to answer and has to probably get right because if you stick with Bazelak and it, I mean, really, I think that. There's there's maybe no quicker way to lose some of his, you know, mojo and his good standing with the fan base than to roll roll out base like out there again next season to start and have the same type of stuff happen. You know, it would it would not be good to bring in a transfer and have it not work. But like if you're going to roll with base like you got to feel really confident, I think, about, you know, about having it work out the way or, or, you know, if you're opening it up to a competition and you feel like you have another guy who also maybe it's Brady Cook, maybe it's Tyler Macon, who also can can at least, you know, get you back to the point of Connor Basilak was earlier this season. Because, yeah, it's hard because, like, at, on one hand, we've seen him be way better than he was towards the end of this season. On the other, there's no guarantee that he gets back to that point. And, like, I don't know. I, I don't, like... I don't know what the, the right answer is. Right. I don't think anybody does, and guess what? We don't get paid $4 million to know it. Another question, do we need another coach to help us on offense? I mean, I don't actually think that's the worst idea in the world, right, to have an offensive coordinator because, like, Andy Reid has an offensive coordinator. He calls the plays, but he has an offensive coordinator uh, to handle the day-to-day stuff. A lot of these guys do. Um, but the issue with that is – if you bring in another coach, like there has to be a coach somewhere that leaves. Like you're yeah. at the capacity right now. So you can't just say, okay, Eli's driven, given up offensive coordinator and he's bringing in an OC. That's cool, but somebody's got to go if that happens. Right. And, and I don't exactly. know that yeah. that's going to happen. Right. Who are you getting rid of is the question. You know, I, like I, I, the logical place would be like somewhere in the secondary, but I, I think they really like Charlie Harbison and Aaron Fletcher. Like, I don't know, maybe if one of them leaves for another job, you say, I, 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 I think it's unlikely. I think that, you know, Eli Drinkwitz constructed his staff the way he did for a reason. And like, maybe, maybe it would help, but like, I kind of tend to doubt that, you know, having someone else come in and kind of do the same stuff drink what's like, I don't know if it's a bad idea. Like, like you said, other people do it, but I just, I have a hard time seeing that being the magic bullet that all of a sudden turns things around. Yeah. Um, we'll get to basketball here briefly at the end of the show in a minute, but, um, just real quick, the bowl scenario, there's 13 sec teams that are bowl eligible. And, Low key, the worst thing that happened to Missouri over the weekend was LSU beating Texas A&M, because Texas A&M now is not going to a New Year's Six Bowl. I wouldn't think. I, I don't think Kentucky is like a New Year's Six Bowl team. I, I mean, 
Nine and three. I I don't know. So the upshot is whether Bama's in the playoff or not. I think between the playoff and the New Year's Six, there's only three SEC teams, which means you get to that pool of six, and those get filled, and that's nine SEC teams. So you've still got potentially four SEC teams looking for a bowl spot, and I mean they're all going to get one, but two of them may very well be like the Quick Lane Bowl or the Diamond Walnut Bowl or these games against just like. It's seriously against like San Jose State, and that's it. That would be worst case scenario to me for Missouri because if you win, yeah, you went seven and six, but nobody cares. But if you lose, you lost to a terrible team that nobody's ever heard of, and you have a losing record. Yeah, I mean, basically, we're at the point where there's no there's no way to even speculate on the bowl bid because once once you get to the point where an SEC team could be sent to one of the bowls without an SEC tie, it's like that. It's truly a dark throw, and like. Let's be honest. Like, yeah, maybe it won't be Mizzou, but I have I have a hard time seeing Mizzou not being towards the bottom of the pecking order after going six and six. And, you know, the attendance, like we mentioned last time, does play a little bit of a factor. It's Missouri. The name brand is not as strong as some of these other schools. Like, it would not surprise me at all if they're one of the ones sent to, you know, a non-SEC tie bowl, whether it's, I don't even know what the options are, independence or elsewhere. So, like, I, I don't even have a guess um, until we get some clarity on that situation. I, I don't, my only prediction is that most fans will decide to be angry about it. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, everything like this was a great college football weekend, man. Everything it got was. shaken up just outside of Mizzou. What was your biggest, Oh my God, how did that happen thing this weekend? Ah, uh, there was a lot. I, I would like you, I think where I actually got a chance to just relax on a Saturday and watch a bunch of college football, which never happens. So that was really nice. I like, you know, all three of the, the big rivalry games kind of had one of those moments like the Michigan Ohio State game was actually the least suspenseful but it was probably the most surprising where Michigan just dominated Ohio State in the trenches um you know the 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 Alabama comeback was surprising but also like as soon as that Auburn running back went out of bounds I was like oh boy oh no they left it they left the door open you know Alabama's gonna figure it out and Brian Harson should have gone for two like Eli Drinkwitz and then Bedlam was great um you know I thought Oklahoma State after they had the worst third quarter I've like ever seen they had <laughs> they gave up a safety and then the muff punt for a touchdown and missed a field goal and yet they still managed to find a way to win so it was great I loved all three games the the best moment of the college football weekend was clearly Kerry Murdoch who works for he's the publisher at our Oklahoma site starting to ask Lincoln Riley about job rumors and Lincoln Riley cuts him off before he can even finish the question with I'm not going to be the next coach at LSU 100% he wasn't and like that is master PR by Lincoln Riley because I don't know what Kerry was planning to ask him, but like when he says I'm not going to be the next coach at LSU, it doesn't cross anybody's mind to say, but are you still going to be the coach at Oklahoma? Right. Because, I mean, nobody can say that Riley lied. You know, this is not Roy Williams saying he doesn't give a shit about North Carolina and then going to North Carolina. That Lincoln told the truth, kind yeah. of. You know, yeah, that was amazing. And yeah, he really should teach a marketing class at USC for next because I'm sure he, he will need a little extra money from his thirty nine billion dollar salary that he's going to get out or out there or whatever. Um, so, look, I love the coaching carousel, especially when we don't have to really pay attention to it. I mean, you never say 100 percent. Right. But I'm pretty confident Eli Drinkwitz isn't his name's not going to come up and he's not going to go anywhere. So we can just kind of sit back and, and watch this with all the fans. Um, real quick comment um, from 
Grayson Heck, he said earlier, I know we're not on the topic, we are now, but if Mizzou loses to Paul Quinn tonight, I am moving to Madagascar and never seeing the outside world again. Um, Like, look, if your plan is to not see the outside world, why would you spend money to move to Madagascar? Just shut yourself in the house you have right now, and it doesn't cost you any money. If I was going to Madagascar, I would want to see the outside um, and see what that looks like. Larger point, um, like that... I refuse to even discuss the idea that Missouri could lose to a guy named Paul Quinn. Like that's not yeah. happening. That guy must be, he'd have to be really good. He'd have to be even better than Kyle O'Quinn who did once beat the zoo almost single-handedly. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It, it's an NAIA school. It can't, it can't, Mizzou can't lose. It can't be close. I refuse to believe otherwise. It, like if it is, there's no hyperbole that's really enough. Like it's a, an absolute train wreck. If, if Paul Quinn, beats Missouri tonight. Like, seriously, I'm okay if Conzo doesn't have a job when he gets back to the locker room. That's cool. I mean, that makes yeah. sense. It's not going to happen. I, I know you're really fired up to, to watch that game. In person, no less. Yeah. yeah. Um. So, uh, but it, just real quick on basketball. I mean, you've got this game. You've got the Thursday game at Liberty, which at one point I thought Missouri sh- probably would lose. They shouldn't lose that game. Liberty sucks. Like, they're two and three. They're not any good. And then they come back home for Eastern Illinois, and unless Eastern Illinois stops in Forestell for some tacos on the way, they shouldn't beat. Me. So theoretically, I think Missouri should be six and three. Worst case, they're five and four, but whatever. But the problem is, we've got two full weeks of games that everybody just goes, "Well, I don't care." Then starting right. on December 11th is the next time you care, and that's at KU. And every game from there on out is, is against a Power Five team, and that's when like there need to start being some games that. This fan base needs something to say, hey, here's any reason you should care at all going forward. Yeah, it would be it would definitely be great. And not that I'm necessarily saying this is going to happen, but it'd be great if they could like at least play Kansas and Illinois close or somehow find a way to win one of those games or something. Because, yeah, there's there's going to be, you know, as much as people are down on the team right now. A lot of people will watch those games, especially the Kansas game, and a lot of people will watch this team for the first time in in those games, you know, especially the Kansas game. So if they could show something, I think it would uh, certainly it would help. I'm not counting on it. I think I'm just I've just resigned myself to uh, to a slog of a season. Yes. Yeah, so uh, signing day, what, 16 days away. Um, the transfer news in and out, certainly not over. Uh, there will be a bowl announcement next Saturday. Like. All last week, Mitch, I was just telling myself, just get through this week, man. Let's just get through this week. And now all of a sudden I'm like, hang on. Now we got to get through the next week. Yeah, there's, 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 it's a busy period. It's a busy time. Bull practices, like you said, bull selection, signing period. So we'll have it all covered, and then we will enjoy getting a few days off for Christmas, hopefully, unless we're covering the quick lane bowl in Detroit. <laughs> I don't know what this we business is, but I will not be covering the quick lane bowl in Detroit. So, all right, Mitch, uh, we will catch up later on, man. Appreciate it. Sounds good. All right, guys. Appreciate everybody who was hanging out with us and joined us and uh, made comments and, and did all that while you're here, do me a favor, hit the like button on the show, subscribe to the channel, tell people about what we're doing. It all helps out. If you're listening on the podcast, which I'm going to, uh, put up here and in just a few minutes when we finish do the same things there leave a nice review leave a nice comment share it on social media tell people about what we're doing um we're not streaming every day of the week now that the season's over we are doing this show on monday we're doing the 573 report on wednesdays and sean williams and i will still do the recruiting uh show on tuesday so monday tuesday and wednesday we're here with you guys uh during the week um that will obviously change a little bit come 
two weeks from now when we have signing day. Um, but we will still be here with you guys through at least signing day on those shows for the next three weeks. Um, and obviously, hey, I, I want to say three of the four transfers uh, today, we were the first to report. So we've got the scholarship situation. Basically, if you want to know what's going on, Go to PowerMizzou.com. If you're somehow watching this show and you don't subscribe, we've got a deal going on right now. If you sign up for a year subscription, you're only, it's only going to cost you $20.21. That is 79% and change off of a regular subscription. So if you guys go, just sign up for a year. I mean, especially with signing day coming up, we're going to give you stuff on the message boards on the site that, that you just don't get anywhere else. Um, and, you know, if that sounds arrogant then I guess I would kind of apologize but it's also true so uh, come join us there appreciate Mitch uh, spending some time with us and before we get out also appreciate True Sun Exteriors and Interiors they have been with us all year as the presenting sponsor on this show uh, a lot of engagement on Mondays kind of wrapping up what's happened over the previous weekend next week we'll be wrapping up some official visits and and some in-home visits and all kinds of things probably some more transfer news uh, probably well definitely a bowl bid and, and an opponent and all that so plenty to do here the next couple weeks on Mondays and True Sun Exterior always has plenty to do I mean guys trust me I've booked things with them it takes a few weeks to get in sometimes a few months so if you've got something that you know is coming up don't call true sun exteriors in on december 10th and think hey they can come out on december 15th like it doesn't work that way you're gonna have to get in early so if you know you've got a project coming up in your home you need to go to truesunexteriors.com or you need to call them at 573-442-7292 they are voted the best in the business in columbia missouri in the home improvement category i can personally vouch for them i would absolutely never use another company to do something around my house so you get in touch with those guys. Barry and his team are phenomenal at what they do. Appreciate uh, them being great partners with us, and hopefully we can help them out a little bit. If you do book something with True Sun, just let them know, hey, that you heard about it here on PowerMizzou.com, and uh, we would greatly appreciate that so that they know that their time and money spent here has been worth it. Appreciate you guys hanging out with us. Tomorrow at noon, Sean Williams is going to join me for the recruiting show, and uh, I'm sure we're not done with news for the day. We'll talk more about it on the message boards. Thanks, guys. Thanks, guys. See you later.